0: joining Travel and Transformation with Sophia. Today, my guest is Dr. Amy Apigian. Dr. Amy, thank you so much for being here. So I'm just, you know, I'm just going to add that yes, life happens and it took us a minute to actually get on this call so we could do this. So I'm really appreciative of her and the fact that she worked with me and technology and it all came together and here she is. So will you please, um, like, let's just get into it. And I'm gonna let you tell the audience about you instead of reading a bio, I know your story. So please share it with the audience.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, even as I reflect back on my story, I I still have that moment of how did I get here, right? Like, this is never where I imagined that I would be. So uh, from very early on, I knew that I wanted to be a doctor. I don't necessarily know why other than I just love science. And I love to ask questions. And I love to understand things. And so it was more just wanting to understand the human body. And when I went into medical school, I did medical school at Loma Linda University, and at that time, I actually was also still very much into biochemistry and cell biology, and so I got a master's while I was in medical school, and it was during that time, just finishing up that master's in biochemistry, that I started foster parenting, and so I uh, opened my home, went through all of those logistics and hoops in order to become a foster parent, and- I mean, I will never forget that phone call. I, I'm assuming that many parents who end up adopting never forget that first awareness of of their new child. And so I remember that phone call still very clearly. And of course, I'm saying, yes, like what, whatever. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. So they were replacing a four-year-old boy with me who had already had multiple placements, had a lot of behavioral issues, mostly anger and aggression. And so they loved the fact that I didn't have any other children or pets. And <laughs> they felt that it was a perfect fit for for him, for me. And when he came into my home, I did everything wrong because I I thought that I knew what they would need, what kids would need coming out of trauma. And I I just knew that they needed stability and they needed love. And I had a lot to learn because there is so much more to that. And I was under the impression that with stability and with love that time would heal. And I had to find that it's quite the opposite until we actually give the body what it needs in order to heal from trauma. Time doesn't heal at all. It actually just further cements our trauma patterns into our our physical health our our body and then our actions and behaviors oh, wow. and that's ultimately what what led me to then just diving into figuring out all right what am i missing what does miguel need for healing and it it was the hardest thing that i had experienced yet at that point in my life and it was one of those things where i i didn't know if it was possible for him to really fully heal and recover and what I would say would be rise above his childhood so that what he had experienced did not continue to affect him. Mm. And given what I saw happening where he actually seemed to be re-traumatized and triggered by the different therapies that I was taking him to, which were all the evidence-based therapies. And so it, it pushed me into a place that was my lowest at that point, And I did not know where else to go, did not know where else to turn except asking questions and studying and studying and studying and figuring out who has had success. And so it, it led me down a path that I never would have gone if I had just continued on with regular medical school. Now I'm still in medical school and so I'm finishing up medical school and then I go on into residency and I decided to do a general surgery residency And Miguel and I continue to have a very hard time because I haven't figured out all the pieces that he needed yet for his healing. And it was a lot to manage, of course. But it was during that time then in general surgery residency that I finally hit a wall with my own health. And And I could no longer ignore all of the physical health symptoms that I was having. I was now overweight by 30 pounds. I was on two mood medications, antidepressants, well, and also for anxiety, but I was still experiencing anxiety and depression and uh, a lot of uh, digestive health issues. And my gut was always hurting and I was trying all kinds of stuff. I was no longer even able to get out and exercise and run and, and ride my bike because my body would just ache so bad. And then I'd fall into these fatigue episodes. And so my body just broke. But what was fascinating to me is that everything that I was experiencing, all of these symptoms, I now knew from my studies that these were all related to childhood adverse experiences and childhood stress and childhood trauma. And yet I looked at my background and I'm like, I don't see trauma. If this had been Miguel, I would be like, Oh, well, of course this is understandable. And likely the next conclusion that I would have had would be, and there's nothing we can do about it because this is just what happens. But because it was me and I didn't see trauma in my childhood, it again, kind of led me to that place of I am missing something because why would my body be experiencing the same thing as someone else who had had a lot of childhood trauma? And led me down the same, the same path of studying and starting to try different things, partly and mostly to get my own health and life back. Mm. And it led me down this path. Ultimately now where this is now my, my business and my career of kind of forging this new field of medicine of trauma Because what I came to understand was that no, like trauma is our biology. It's not just our psychology and we just need to talk about it, process it, do therapy about it. It has actually become our biology. And so that has to be included in the process of trauma healing for us to fully get better
0: and and heal those patterns. Wow. That, I mean, we hear so much about trauma these days and I hate to say it but it almost sounds like it's a buzzword you know everybody I've got trauma I've got this trauma and it just starts to sound like really though but <laughs> it's so true it's so true and I have the same
1: effect I'm like really like you're gonna call that a trauma but it's it's true it's it's uh, become I think more uh, just in people's conscious awareness, and it's become almost like um, you have to be trauma informed in order. That's that's the new thing that you have to do, whether you're a business or corporation is, you know, it's, it's also now you have to be trauma informed. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? Because right. until we really understand what trauma is and we're using it in the right way, how can we be trauma informed in what we're doing?
0: And that makes so much sense. And I know that Well, I, I can't say I know that, but I believe that from listening to you and then listening to some other people that you may have a slightly different definition of trauma than some other people. So can you tell us what your definition of trauma is?
1: So my definition of trauma is based on the trauma response that happens in the body. Okay. And there's a very specific step-by-step process that happens in our body, in our physiology. And this is the trauma response and it's the trauma response, no matter to what form of trauma. So we really can then just understand that all trauma is something that goes through this trauma response. And what are those things that would cause a trauma response? And it a trauma response puts us in what's called a a chronic, uh, not necessarily chronic, but a freeze state at first. And then sometimes it can go even deeper into what we would call like this just chronic trauma state where the body is just operating now from this place all the time. Mm. So what would cause a chronic or what would cause a trauma response in the body? There, my definition is anything that for any reason at that time in our life, overwhelmed our capacity to process what was happening. Okay. And when we look at just that word overwhelm, like that can be the true definition of the trauma response because then that makes it different. It distinguishes it from stress. Stress is not overwhelm. Stress is actually a high energy state where we are taking action for the problems in our life or whatever threat or danger it is. We're taking action. That's actually stress. Whereas overwhelm is that moment when our stress response has actually been overwhelmed and we're no longer taking action. The problem seems too big for us or we seem too small for that problem. Mm. And so we literally stop taking action because we go into a low energy state. The trauma response actually changes our metabolism. It changes our energy production in our body, how we use that energy. It changes... Uh, all of our breathing through our diaphragm and our gut, it causes inflammation. There's this whole downstream effects of that trauma response on our body systems. But at the end, what it's doing is it's just shutting the body down because it realizes that this, this problem is too big for me. And so the best strategy for me to survive, this is just to hunker down and get through. If we were an animal, it would be, let me pretend to be dead.
0: Like play possum.
1: (laughs) Play possum. Absolutely. Because if I, if I, if I'm not breathing and if I go really quiet, the monster won't see me.
0: And that's so interesting that you say that because I think a lot of times, and I can speak for myself, but I'm sure I'm not the only one that. I'm probably having a trauma response but think that I'm stressed out because I hear myself saying, you know, I'll look at something that I need to do and it's like, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm actually probably telling myself at that point, you are in a trauma response but not even realizing it because I'm using the word that's what my body's happening to my body and I do feel like, okay, I know I need to, let's just say, I know I need to clean this area, but there's just so much junk in it. I can't, I just, I can't, I can't, I just feel so overwhelmed. And then I just go, and okay, I'm just going to sit here. Maybe I'll watch TV instead. And so based on that what, what you're saying, that is actually the trauma response. That is actually a trauma response. A
1: trauma response.
0: So mm-hmm. then that can actually get stuck in my body if I don't do something about it.
1: Yes. And and we can see that as a perfect example. So I'll just kind of dovetail off of that, if that's okay, because then the more times that we have that experience of it's like, oh my goodness, this is too much. I can't let me not do this. And let me just go and zone out, tune out, numb out. Those are all things that we do when we are, are in a trauma response. And then it almost becomes programmed to that be our default way of responding to all problems in our life. Mm, Okay. And so it literally becomes the pattern or if we want to talk computer terms, it's the software program that's running our body so that even now with smaller stressors, our body immediately is like, oh, yeah, no, that's definitely too big for me. I, I can't do that. At least not right now. And it becomes something that just is our default way of responding to life. And that's how it becomes stored in our body is it becomes the software program that is running our body.
0: Wow. So I guess when other people talk about like forming new neural pathways, it's like now you're just making a direct pathway from problem to trauma response. Yes. And then that's just it. We just keep walking down that road. So, okay, so and this is not even the way I was going, but since we're here, I got to stay here. So, we have built that pathway. We now we've realized we're on the pathway. How do we get off that path? Maybe even disseminate that path and create a new, more healthy path to to go down.
1: Well, I'll start with saying what not to do. <laughs> because... <laughs> When I was on my journey, I did I did everything wrong. Like I feel like I learned I, I learned from my mistakes, but I was doing literally what I had been told to do. I mean, I was in medical school, right? And so here I am, I'm seeing all these patients. I am diagnosing them with, oh my goodness, you have chronic stress, not realizing that I am actually misdiagnosing them and I should be telling them that they have trauma that they're living from a trauma response, but I didn't know this back then. But what do we tell people? Oh, you need to do some stress management. You need to you know, do some meditation. You need to go to therapy. You need to do affirmations, mantras, whatever it is, whatever it is. But what we have missed is the actual experience of the body. And since the trauma response happens in the body, not just in our mind and our brain, we actually have to work with the body to now convince it that, This is a different experience that that was back then. And back then, for whatever reason, right, we we did not take action. We could not take action. But but it's different now. But our body doesn't know that. And so it continues to run that program, that software program and run those same neural pathways. And so what we have to do is we actually have to work with the body, not just the mind. Okay. and when we work with the mind either by telling the story, trying to process our childhood or process therapy or doing meditation. What ends up happening, Sophia, is that we actually further disconnect the mind from our body. And Mm. that disconnect is what happens in the trauma response, where the body feels overwhelmed and our mind is like, yeah, that's uncomfortable. I don't want to be in my body right now. Let me turn on the TV. Right. Yeah, that's too uncomfortable. Let me eat some food. Let me scroll social media. Let me tune out because I don't want to be in my body. It feels uncomfortable. It feels overwhelmed. It feels heavy. And so the mind is already being disconnected from the body. It's part of the trauma response. And so then when we come in and we try to only work with the mind and we tell our body what it should feel, then it just further disconnects the mind from the body. And our body is doing the best that it can. And it's like, wait a second you're telling me that i should feel safe well i don't feel safe and the mind is saying well yeah what's wrong with you everything is fine you should feel safe <laughs> and so we actually have to work with the body but the cool thing is is that we can leverage what's called neuroplasticity the ability of our nervous system and those neural pathways to change but the way in which they change is key they change be- when we create different experiences for ourselves Okay, And so when we come in and we can learn tools, how to work with our body, how to work with our nervous system in our body that actually creates a, an experience of feeling safe, it will then start to inform our nervous system, oh, we this is different. I actually feel safe, maybe for the first time in a really, really long time. Like I actually truly feel safe. I'm not just telling myself that I feel safe. I actually feel safe. And that sensation is coming up and informing my thoughts rather than my thoughts trying to change how my body actually feels. And when we create these different experiences, that is our key to then working with the trauma response, because the trauma response, what it needs in order to heal, there are three things. It starts with safety. hmm. And actually creating a felt sense of safety in the body. And most people who go through my entry-level program, it's a 21-day journey that I lead people through, where I'm teaching them these tools, they get into the first week and they are telling me, Dr. Amy, I didn't know that I didn't feel safe. Wow. Because, right, like how how do you know that you haven't felt something when you've never felt it? True. Until you actually (laughs) feel it, then you're like, oh yeah, no, I've never felt this way before. But how would, how would you know if you've never felt it before? And that's the experience of so many people is that they've actually never truly felt safe in their body. They've always just run their life from their head and their thinking and analyzing and trying to create safety in their life without realizing that, oh, it needs to be a body sensation that they experience that then they can take outward. So So, it just,
0: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, it really sounds like there needs to, um, we kind of need to build a bridge between our head Mm -hmm. and our body so that we can comfortably go back and forth and then eventually they can make friends and then the bridge won't be necessary because it's just going to be like one whole.
1: A continuous flow.
0: Uh, Yeah. So is there something that, Something simple, some a simple somatic exercise or something that you could walk our listeners through, so that they could even begin to create a sense of safety with themselves. Is that like, is there a simple thing that they can do? There is,
1: yeah. And I'm and I'm running through the exercises in my twenty one day journey right now and seeing which one from that first week that I want to pull out. So I've got one. And so, Sophia, I'll just ask you right now, since you'll be my guinea pig, (laughs) we'll do this together. And is there anything, anything uncomfortable in your body right now, anywhere that you can sense any discomfort, whether that be tension or a temperature that doesn't feel comfortable or um, just anything? It doesn't, it doesn't matter what that is. Just where is something in your body that feels uncomfortable?
0: Okay, well, it's easing up, but I'd have to say in my stomach area, because I was starting to get a little tense when, you know, we couldn't bring this together.
1: (laughs) Yeah, understandably so. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay, and where in your stomach do you feel that tension? Is Um, it upper, lower on one side or the other? Is it a ball? Is it a knife?
0: It's kind of, um, it's upper. Upper. But it's kind of like, a. it's more like, I guess because I'm more relaxed now, it's more like a yeah. wave. <laughs> a wave. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do this exercise and let's just see what happens. I have no idea what will happen, okay. but we'll just see what happens. So I'd love for you to bring your arms up and put your hands as close to your shoulders as you can. Okay. And as you do this, let's check in with our feet and make sure that our feet are flat up against the floor or something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay yeah and if you have something behind your back that's ideal but not necessary but ideal so if you want to slip a pillow perfect slip that pillow behind your back this is awesome sophia
0: Friend, i didn't even know this was gonna happen <laughs> got it already <laughs> got it
1: already all right now what we're gonna do sophia is we're going to imagine that there's this huge boulder in front of us Okay. If you want to move your hands up and down and you can just feel how big this boulder is and we're going to push it away. Okay. But because it's so heavy and so big, it's going to take a lot from us to be able to push it away. And we're going to, it's going to move so slow that we're going to have to be pushing really slow to move it. Okay. So okay. you may need to lean into it to to push it because this, this boulder is huge. It's huge. Okay. okay. So uh, whenever you're ready, you can start pushing the boulder. I'm leaning into it and I'm pushing, but you can probably see that my arms are moving so slowly because it's a huge boulder. And I'm going to like move my hands to where I can feel like I've got a better position on the boulder and I'm pushing away. My arm muscles are fully engaged. My arm muscles are tight. And I am slowly, slowly pushing this boulder away. My feet are pushing into the ground to help me push it away. You can even feel that contact on your back as you maybe lean into that and really help um, use that to help you push this boulder away. Okay. When you do really get, <laughs> yep, feeling really, really tense. Yep. And when you do end up getting all the way out, I'm not quite there yet myself, but when I do get all the way out, what we're going to do is we're going to just pause right there with our arms fully extended in the air. And we're going to wait until our arms are like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to, to drop and come down. Oh, so I just had a deep spontaneous breath. So I know I'm going to drop my arms now. It feels ready to drop. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, we just pause. We just notice hmm I'm getting some gurgling in my stomach that's interesting so I think the first thing let's check in with Sophia is that tension in your stomach how is that has Um, anything changed
0: yeah it's it's really it's not there anymore it's not there now what do
1: you you mean it's not there (laughs)
0: like where did uh, it go the te- mm-hmm. I guess it went, it went away with the boulder. I guess what I went feeling away with the right now is um, it feels like there's energy moving yeah. through me yeah
1: yeah
0: So yeah I just kind of feel a movement of energy in my yeah. body.
1: Is that a comfortable sensation for you or an uncomfortable?
0: It's very comfortable because I is a it's a sensation that I'm used to. And so I know when things are changing and progressing and, you know, whatever might be happening that I just feel the energy moving or when I'm releasing things that the energy just starts to move. It's like all my chakras start to open up and they're like, oh, okay, this is good. This is good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And isn't that interesting that just a really simple exercise of, pushing away a pretend boulder would get that energy moving through your chakras like that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was really simple, Uh, but that wasn't, I don't even know if that was a full two minutes that we did that for. Mm -hmm. And it really made a difference. It Mm -hmm. really made a difference. So if you had to say your,
1: your felt sense of safety in your body right now, what number would you give that I, I feel I feel safe right now? Yeah, mm-hmm. in and this particular
0: feedback. moment, I'm feeling a 10.
1: 10, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm feeling... that's the
1: power of these kinds of exercises. Yeah. And it's not something that we told ourselves that we should feel safe. It was just like, let's just get to work. Let's just do an exercise. Let's push away a pretend boulder. And these are the types of changes that happen in our body as a result of these exercises. And then the body informs the brain, yep, we're safe down here. We're good. We're good. You can focus on other things. You can do your work. You can connect with other people because we're safe. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that that to me is so important to feel safe, you know, because even when we talk about being in relationship with somebody else, it's like you want to feel safe, You wanna feel physically safe. You wanna feel emotionally safe. You even wanna feel um, spiritually safe, right? So safety is such a huge part of being in relationship that sometimes I think people forget that you have to be in relationship with yourself and feel safe with yourself first. Well, first and. I'll just say first and because even if you don't feel safe with yourself first, it's not to say you can't feel safe with another, but when you feel safe with yourself first, I think it's easier to discern if you can feel safe with another. That is spot on because especially with people who have this
1: trauma response, right? And they have experienced overwhelm in their life before their sense of feeling safe with other people is off. And so they may think that they feel safe with people who are really not safe and they're really not healthy people, but it may be just familiar and familiar can be mistaken as a feeling of safety. And so you hit it, you hit it spot on that, like, we have to actually learn how to do this for ourselves, how I can create a felt sense of safety for myself. Because from there, I can then connect with people from that safe place. If I'm looking to another person to create safety for me, we're in trouble. Because I'm going to attach to people who are not healthy because I'm not coming from a place of safety. So I'm attracting people that are also not coming from a place of safety.
0: And that makes so much sense. So I'm assuming that in your program, this is just one of many somatic exercises that you go through so that the body can like just chill, <laughs> literally and it, and it, chill. <laughs> it's
1: so fun, Sophia, right? Because with every exercise, and yes, there's 21 different exercises that I teach in my 21-day journey program. And with every exercise, we start it the same way. It's like, I wonder what will happen. I have no idea, but I wonder what will happen. I wonder what will the effects be on my system? Where will I feel that change? Will it be in my chest this time? Will it be in my stomach? Will it be in my toe? Will it be in my head? I don't know, but let's find out Mm. and let's get curious. And people become the experts in creating these new experiences for themselves that then change their whole life because they're coming now from a place of feeling safe. The whole second week, we create we create safe uh, support for ourselves. And that felt sense of support, when we feel supported, mm-hmm. goodness, like we can do anything. It's when we don't feel supported that we stay small, that we right. get overwhelmed, that we feel stressed. And so learning how to create a felt sense of support for the body, where again, it's not the brain trying to figure out how do I get supported? It's the body informing the brain, hey we're good, we're supported. You can go off and do big things today because we feel supported. And then we can go into relationships, feeling safe, feeling supported. And then we talk about expansion. So we have different exercises for actually safe expansion and growth, which actually is where relationships happen. It's where connection happens. It's where processing trauma happens. We actually have to have that foundation of safety and Mm -hmm. support to even be able to process trauma safely.
0: And I think that's really cool too, that for anybody who can't take your 21 day program at the moment, because I know the next one starts March 1st, but I'm not sure when people are gonna hear this. So is there gonna be one after the March 1st one?
1: Yes, I take groups of the 21 day journey about every two to three months. So they are always welcome to, to join the next one.
0: Oh, that's perfect. And I guess in the meantime, too, it's always good if you find other types of support and safe containers where you can start your process and then, you know, maybe move into the 21 day journey and see how that works out for you and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. On my website, I have a resource that's called the Essential Sequence Guide. And -hmm. so that would be a really good place for people to start to understand why do we have to bring in safety first? Why do we have to do support next? And then moving into expansion. So it's this very specific sequence that we need to work on with the body in order to change these neural pathways in regards to trauma. And understanding the why behind it, the science behind it, then helps people understand where they're at, which which therapies they should be doing now versus which therapy should they wait to do later after mm-hmm. they put in uh, some of the other foundational pieces first. So that's a guide that they can find on my website, traumahealingaccelerated.com. The essential sequence guide might be helpful for them.
0: Okay. So say that again. The
1: Traumahealingaccelerated.com is okay. the website and they are looking for the essential sequence guide by Dr. Amy.
0: Okay. Well, I, that's perfect because I think for a lot of people, okay, maybe let me just bring it back. For me, (laughs) I like logic and I'm also a creative who likes feeling. So if you can hit both at the same time, then it's good because that's an easier way to make friends. It's like, oh, okay, well, this makes sense. It's logical. And then the body's like, cool, now we can do it. (laughs) Then there's that nice uh, coordination between the head and the body and the bridge and the friendship.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then the magic starts to happen, right? When we get that connection, we get the flow, we get things in its proper order and its proper time honoring what the body's experience has been. It just starts to flow and where we have felt stuck in our healing process, we get movement back again and we get the movement in a very, coordinated, cohesive, integrative, safe way.
0: Well, that is perfect. And I am so appreciative of you being here. Like I said, in the beginning, life happened, but we made this happen. And I'm so glad that our listeners got a chance to hear from you because I know I said, you know, trauma sounds really like a buzzword these days, but it's really important to really learn what's happening in your body so that like you said, you know the appropriate steps to take. I'm in stress, but I'm still able to move forward and do things. It's like, I have all this stuff to do. But then it's like, okay, I got a list. I did this. 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 I'm good. As opposed to, oh my God, I've got all this stuff to do. Where's well, the chocolate? look at Facebook. Where's the chocolate? Where's this? Where's the- <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I think uh, that was a very important distinction to bring up so that people understand where they're at and I just really want to thank you again for being here and hopefully we get to talk again because I know you're probably going to be coming up with something new and exciting and I can't wait to hear about it
1: (laughs) thank you Sophia it's been lovely to be here with you
0: oh you're so welcome